Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Strange Familiars. Welcome back, everybody. Tonight is going to be part two of my interview with Nathan from the Penny Royal podcast. More synchronicity, more Kentucky strangeness, and all associated oddities. Before we get into part two of my interview with Nathan, if you like all the content we give you with Strange Familiars and you'd like to get more, the best way is to become a patron at Patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's all different levels of support there, starting at $3 a month. That may go up in the new year here, so jump on that quickly. You can subscribe monthly, or you can subscribe yearly. No matter what level you go in at, you get extra episodes. All of our patrons get extra episodes. There's over 60 right now. If you join, you get those 60 right away. There's also other levels of support where you get things like t-shirts, patches, stickers, and more. Check it out, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's monthly and yearly subscriptions now at Patreon, so you can sign up for a month at a time, or you can sign up for a whole year. There's a discount if you sign up for a year, so even better deal. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you don't like the idea of a subscription, like Patreon, you can make a one-time donation. Go to strangefamiliars.com, look under the show notes for any episode, you'll see a paypal.me link. You can click that and make a one-time donation. And of course, everyone can help by sharing the show on social media liking and subscribing wherever you're listening, and leaving us those nice five-star reviews. 
which helps get strange familiars in front of new potential listeners. All right, so let's get back to my interview with Nathan. We just kind of picked up where we left off, and we dig in even further. Man, the one of the a crazy thing that's part of uh, season two of the show, like there are a lot of non paranormal things that obviously happened during the investigation of all this and con- the continued investigation that they're not paranormal. They're real things like like finding a terma, but there's almost like a paranormal <laughs> paranormal or supernatural layer to it, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's so incredible or so synchronistic that it that it defies the possibility that it could actually happen, but it did, you know. And this we I haven't talked about this very much on on main podcast. I won't say a whole lot because there are other people involved that I have got to get make sure that they're okay with me talking about it. But but we received some really toward the end of the of producing the show, we received some documents from somebody and they were very, very strange documents. When I got the documents, I became frightened because I didn't think I would, uh, like I didn't think I should have the documents like, you mm-hmm. know, in, a, in an illegal sense, you right. know, like I was like, I don't know about this. And, and, they wanted us to data mine the documents because they'd overheard Darian and I talking about the data mining software. And, and it's weird how they even got to us, but we got these documents. And then when we started looking at them, they related exactly to what we were investigating, like exactly that. And even included people that we were investigating in the documents wow. and references that were very specific to us and here in this place. Right. But they had been sealed, like digitally sealed, in 2017, before we ever even, you know, like hmm. I, I not even, you know, I just was starting with it, and so that was a weird thing, um, and it turns out too that a person I'm researching, who's tied to James Shelby Downard, and and trying to figure that mystery out, and it, because it's related to all this, a person that is connected to him actually handled the documents. So it's like a person that we're investigating in a different way ended up having contact with the documents that we ended up with that talk about what we're doing. It's weird, dude. And this weird, like, like, and it's, it boggles my mind. Cause it's like, is someone orchestrating parts of this? So I, I emailed you a little bit about something, which I'm not going to talk about on the show. Cause I told you how much it, it kind of, um, Oh yeah, uh, it kind of upset me and yeah, yeah. and frightened me. It was a similar thing. Somebody approached yeah. me with some is a really super interesting story, but it involves an existing cult, a Christian cult, not a satanic cult, and uh, some murders and and a and an event from from recent history in Pennsylvania. Very very intense, and I thought about it because it's, it's a great story. And then I just thought, man, I I don't know if I want to like put my name on this and then be on the radar of some of the people involved in this because uh, some are still around. Do you worry about that? I, after I, well, 
I didn't worry about <laughs> I've had various levels at this point, right? That have gotten yeah, let me let me say this because I, I think this is a valuable thing to talk about in terms of this kind of research. You know, obviously you've you've encountered this and you know, when I first started it was very very uh mi- micro versus macro, it was micro on this very local level mm-hmm. with uh the murders that had happened here, some of these unsolved murders. And, you know, I no, I still have no intention of trying to solve any of that stuff. I think that they know who the murderers are in some of these cases. Um, and some things have happened that just they're not able to convict these people. I mean, Dateline came down and did a special about the, the two most famous murders. But, you know, I never intended to try to, like, solve anything. So I wasn't sticking my nose, you know, into that and saying, hey, everybody, I'm going to figure this out. I was I just thought that that those murders and some disappearances and some other things all seemed so strange that they were connected to possibly a larger mystical structure of sorts, mm-hmm. kind of like what they describe in the Empire of the Will series, you know, uh, Walter Bosley and uh, Richard Spence, because there were some murders in San Bernardino in 1914 um, that involved a spiritualist cult. And as Richard Spence says, it doesn't matter whether or not you believe in magic. It matters that these people do because right. their actions are based on that, right? right. <laughs> so so they killed these people. So I wondered, is, is it possible something like that was happening here? But again, I was like, I don't know if I really think there's a cult. And at the end of the day, I really didn't until Greg came and tells me that Amy stuff. And that was probably the first time that I like went home and thought, am I putting myself and my family in danger by mm-hmm. looking into this, right? And we did stop after that. And then I kind of was like, ah, there's no cult, you know, and I, and I still don't think there's a cult. I think that a lot of crazy things cluster here. And it's easy to uh, transcribe or interpret it in that way. Mm-hmm. And I do think the things are connected, but I don't think it's like an organization or an organized thing. I think it's more so uh, a strange way that reality functions. But anyway, that was the first time that I was like, ooh, I don't know. Then when we got the documents, that was a whole other one that I was like, uh, you know, uh, maybe this is not a good idea, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was like, is the FBI going to show up? <laughs> you know, and and it was weird. They were just things that I just didn't think we should have our hands on. And and some of the people that were mentioned in the documents are dangerous people, and they're still around. Not right. here, just out, you know, the, the part we're in California, you know. Right. But I still thought, man, there's no way we're going to, you know, do anything with this. Uh, Richard Spence, you know, he, he is the uh, leading expert on – he wrote the – Aleister Crowley 666, or uh, uh, Secret Agent 666 about mm-hmm. Aleister Crowley. And he's like the preeminent U.S. expert on, um, you know, like spies and espionage. And he consults the U.S. Espionage Museum. Well, we talked to him about the documents, and he he was just like, boys, this is an in- intelligence operation. There's something in these documents that someone wants to get out, but they don't want anyone to know that that they're connected with. It. Oh, interesting. And they know that you're putting this podcast out and they're hoping you'll make this part of the story and release the documents. And I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> and so he said, when you look at the documents, it's going to be something. He said, there'll be so much stuff in there that you think is holy shit, but it'll be that thing that doesn't, that you don't care about. 
that is the thing that they really want out there. Oh, wow. And so that was a weird recontest. But the fact that he also was like, oh, no, I've seen this before. (laughs) That, That I was like, are we, is, this is, what is going on, you know? So that that was a whole other level of paranoia and kind of like, is this, we shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. That's, part of the second season is going to be that because ultimately that ended up being an experience that psychologically that I really want to explore and share with people because it is weird, mm-hmm. especially when you understand the documents. But the other thing is after the show came out, that kind of freaked me out was the contact from everyone who felt like I knew something or could help them figure out part of their journey. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we had people traveling from all over the place coming here because they felt like something was happening here that could. And obviously I was telling a story that communicates that, that there is something special about this place and that was a little frightening because, you know, there are some people out there that are that are definitely maybe not in the great greatest of mental health places, you know, who feel like this story is speaking to them in in uh, new ways. And and that, you know, I think you have to separate yourself from some of that, you know. And I know Greg's had to do that because. You know the Hellier, <laughs> the Hellier fans are awesome, but there are some people out there that are maybe way too deep in it. You know, <laughs> and uh, and and it's just that was a new thing that I'd never had to deal with before, because you know I always try to listen to everybody's perspective. I, I want to hear everybody's story, but it, there just becomes a point at which you do have to exercise some caution. And separate yourself from 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 some of the things that you know might be dangerous. Yeah, I mean those were all things that took it in a in a. Everything's been so positive and so transformative and so fulfilling to in, investigate this and to 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 journey chasing this mystery. But those those were the first times that it, it felt like there were negative ramifications. Right. Yeah. You know, and that kind of scared me. But I don't know. I mean. It's like Chapel Perilous, you know. It's it's how do you how do you navigate this because you you don't want to you don't you're we're never going to find the answers, but but because if we did, the journey would stop. Right. And the journey is really what the mystery is. Absolutely. And so you know, I'm not really looking for answers. You know, I'm, I'm looking for for more roads. And and so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's it's. It's it's just been a, a fantastic thing to be a part of, but it but it is it's it's both it's both extremely beautiful, but also very terrifying too. You know. So let me talk to you about some of the people often talk to me about, and my perspective on this has changed a little bit. I'm going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here. So if <laughs> let, let's say I picked you up tomorrow and threw a dart at the map of the United States and set you down. In a town, uh, you know, pick a state, say Colorado, right? Right. Don't you think you could find a similar story there? Totally. Oh, yeah, yes. It, it may not be the same one, but mm-hmm. I, I do think that and that's that's what Richard Spence, you know, that's in the trailer for the podcast, you know, and um, he, he says, he told us this great thing. He said, uh, 
you know, what's ha- what was happening in San Bernardino, it turns out there was something similar happen- happening in the town that he grew up in. And that's kind of why he was open to Bosley's theory when they when he approached him to work with him. And he was like, it's not just San Bernardino. You know, it's not just the town he grew up in. It's not just Somerset. It's everywhere. And it's everywhere because there are these kinds of stories that if you start digging, you're going to find them. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that. I, I will say that I think that Somerset is on a whole other level, though. Right. So so that's where, that's where I was going. When, when I first started the podcast, and people were like, wow, what's going on in Pennsylvania? And I'd be like, ah, it didn't matter. It could, I could pick me up and put me in any town, and I could find this. I'll find the weirdness there. I did an experiment. Um, this never made the air because it was it was boring. Where <laughs> I I picked a random town. This was right at the beginning of COVID, and we we were just kind of making a point, trying to make a point. And I I picked a random town. I think it was in South Carolina, and uh, I was like, all right, I'm just going to find this, this is going to be the new weird place. I'm going to find everything weird about this town, and tell tons of stories about it, and then just reveal to everybody that that's what I did. I couldn't find anything. Really. <laughs> yeah, like nothing, nothing. You know, now obviously I don't, I don't live there. Maybe locals could, you know, tell me more. But uh, so I've, I've sort of adjusted my theory, and I, th- I think to an extent, yes, you can un- uncover the stuff. But I do think some places, let's just put it this way: I think some places it's a lot easier to uncover. Yeah, it's it's yeah, a, uh, a lot closer to the surface, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the I honestly believe that the. I never expected to find that this place was the center of the Kentucky anomaly, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, when you look at those maps uh, from NASA, it's exactly the heart of that. The intensity of it is this county. And so, these are like magnetic anomaly maps. It's it's the geomagnetic field from inside the Earth. Okay, all right. So those is, are different than. Have you looked at magnetic anomaly maps? I think they're USGS yes. has them. Yeah, I, I actually think. Uh, what was weird is that when I was telling, you know, when Greg and the Hillier crew down came down here, when I started telling them about the Kentucky anomaly, you know, he was like, "We already found." They hadn't found the the Kentucky anomaly, but they had found the magnetic anomalies okay. through the for, through the mining map because they were looking at all the mines in Kentucky, you know, mm-hmm. because of the uh, the first season, right? And it all lined up on top of Somerset with the caves. And then when I told him about the Kentucky anomaly, he's like, "Holy." Shit. You're looking, you know, you're, you found the same. The, the only thing about the Kentucky anomaly, though, is that the surface gravity here is totally different than the rest of the gravity on the, uh, the surface of North America. Like it's, the, there's an actual pocket where the gravity is different. NASA outlines. Weird. <laughs> it's it's weird. So weird. Dude. Yeah. So, so then it's like, are, are there anomalies? But on top of that, the place is extremely violent. It has this very, very, very violent history. Like, that was one of the things that just jumped out at us. But also, if you go to Eastern State up in Lexington, and I've interviewed multiple people there over this, when you mention you're from Pulaski County, the doctors, and they take people from, it's the state mental health facility, they take people from all the other counties in the state of Kentucky. 70% of the people in there are from Pulaski County. Hmm. And they always ask you, what's going on down there? Is there pollution? Is there, you know, what what's happening? And is it then, you know, people have done studies and there are, you know, intense, uh, you know, EMF and geomagnetic fields will cause higher incidences of um, violence. You know, they'll, they'll cause, um, you know, higher 
mental health problems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is that part of it? But, but again, when you see how much – this isn't in the show either, and I think this is crazy. This is going to be in the second season. But, you know, we find out that in the 1970s, all of these magicians were coming to Somerset, coming to Pulaski County from Cincinnati and other places to perform rituals here because of the energy. And one of the groups was the Bait Cabal. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with them. They published the uh, Cincinnati Journal of Ceremonial Magic. Okay. And, you know, we, Marco Visconti, he's a ceremonial magician in um, England. He just moved to, from London to Somerset, England, which is, I think is funny. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because of Glastonbury. He, you know, he, we've talked to him a lot, and he's really consulted us about magic. And he, he's very knowledgeable about, about the history, and, um, you know, he's a wandering bishop. He studied with uh, Michael Bertio in Chicago, and, and he knew the Bay Cabal. He, he knew Nima, this woman, Mary Ingalls, who, who sort of founded the group in Cincinnati in the mid-1970s. Well, they were part of the Typhonian order, and the, Kenneth Grant uh, who was uh, Aleister Crowley's secretary, you know, the last couple of years of his life at, in, when, when he lived in Netherwood. And Grant eventually became the outer head of the OTO and, the, you know, Telema. I, so, I used to do artwork for the, um, their Grant's publication. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy, dude. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Then, you know? yeah. yeah. So, so um, Grant and Nima... Was it called Starfire? Or, I think it might have been called Starfire. Oh yeah, dude! I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. All right. Well, well, so Grant and Nima talked a lot, and he really liked what she was saying. She channeled the Horus Mayot Lodge, this whole Mayot current, right? Mm-hmm. And and it was a Typhonian current, and they all believed like Grant in this, like the old ones. And it sounds so crazy. And I, I don't practice magic. You know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not, uh, I love to research all this stuff, but, you know, I don't do any rituals. I don't do any of this stuff. But, but the history of it's what's so fascinating, the folklore of it. And I, I finally got my hands on all of the journals that they published in the 1970s, which was a strange thing how I got that. But anyway, Nima believed that the Hopewell, that the people that were here that built the mounds, had opened up a portal to the night side of the tree of life, right? And had never closed it. And that's why all of this stuff spills out into this area, right? Where the Daniel Boone National Forest meets this. But she called it the Cincinnati Vortex. Mm. But they believed that these beings, these alien intelligences, were going to come through that and destroy humanity. I mean, for real, the publications are crazy, and they're beautiful and they're wild and they have all these rituals, but they involve time magic and retro causality. Oh, wow. And they were coming here in the 70s at the exact same time that Guterma was here, at the exact same time that all kinds of this stuff was happening. And they were performing these rituals that involve time. So then it's like, or have we become, have we gotten caught up in some type of eddies off of these vortexes that they created? Right. You know, and that's, you know, like I couldn't even put that in the first season because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are people going to think about that? You know, and, and and then I find out that, you know, 
Hellier, they talk about the Green Man cult, you know, that Amy girl in those emails. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I found out while I was researching all this, there is a Green Man cult here. There's a group called the Guadonic Order that was founded in 1955 in San Francisco. And it's a Welsh magician's order. Um, they, they're they not Druidic. They're not Wiccan. They're somewhere in between. But it's an international group. They have chapters all over the world. In 2004, they moved their international headquarters to guess where? Somerset, Kentucky. Wow. And they worship the green man, and they worship Sunernos, the horned god, Pan. And they're here. So then it's like, did she know someone that was a part of that group? I don't think that group is here sacrificing children. Right. You know, I don't right. think there's a cult doing that. But it's weird that all of these magical groups were coming here. And even 30 minutes east of here, where Whitesburg is, right, that's where Lady, I think her name's Lady Sheba, reinvented Wiccan and published the Book of Shadows huh. in 1971, like 45 minutes east of here in Daniel Boone National Forest, the same forest that connects the, the, to the mines into the caves, that whole area where the that vortex is, on the, in that same place, Wicca was reinvented. It's the other form. There's Gardnerian Wicca, and then uh, this this woman who was a, a Appalachian witch basically created a whole new Wiccan culture. You wow. know, and it's this whole area is surrounded by magic, and that to me too was like, what does that mean? You know, take out whether or not magic's real, just the folklore and the concept that those systems and people that believe in those systems were clustering here are another layer to all of this. It all belies and just indicates that there is something here that's very special and and what it is. Again, I have no idea what, right, <laughs> what any right, of this yeah. is, you yeah. know, but it's like. We just keep finding this, and I do think, and I try to encourage everybody in the show to look at where they are because, and I, and I want to say this too. And this was sort of the, at the end of it all, the theme of the show is, is that right now because of like, there's like this assault on reality, right? That nothing is real. You know that there's fake news. You can't believe anything. You can't believe scientists. Nothing that you hear has any veracity, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, of all the times that you could possibly live in the modern age, you know, in this age of rationality and science, right now we live in a time when anything could exist. And it's like this is the perfect time for this re-enchantment of America and re-enchantment of the world is that you can believe in magic, and old gods and all of these things because suddenly now the paradigm, you know, consensus reality, there's not very much consensus anymore. You know? Say that again. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so, so it's like, is that a part of all of this? You know, is that feeding into this phenomena? You know, and is the, and the phenomena is, it absolutely requires us mm-hmm. as an ingredient. Thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, that's the beauty of it. I mean, that's that's what excites me about all this. You know, I love stories 
you know, my daughter's name is Story <laughs> because I love stories so much. But it's just it's crazy to research all this and to collect these stories and to see that it's not just a single narrative, that there it seems to be this larger narrative. And I say that in terms of like a system that connects everything, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just I don't know, man, it's it's so beautiful to, to discover that and to know that 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 structure exists and what it is. I, 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 again, I don't think we need to know what it is, just knowing that it's there and that it's it's something that we can explore. Yeah, I think looking for one reason, like, so I wasn't that into the whole geological aspect of things. You know, people would ask me, like, you know, what is it about, you know, Pennsylvania and your area of Pennsylvania? How come you can find all this weird stuff? I don't know. And then people would, you know, for a while, people were like, oh, there's, you know, a big vein of quartz that runs down through there and this and that. But then somebody sent me one of these magnetic anomaly maps of the area. And I'm looking at it. Uh, so Toad Road follows Cadores Creek. It's, it's an old towpath for uh, towing barges down the creek. Right down, this right on, and it's, it's you know, as you're looking on the map, it's the um, the south side, kind of the, the, the kind of the southeast side of the creek. Mm-hmm. This road follows up, up the creek. Well, so it's on that side. Basically, this magnetic anomaly just follows that right along the creek, just follows right along there. And then I'm I'm like, whoa, that's weird. And then I start looking at these other places. There's a place uh, we go to where we can, you know, I can't guarantee you, you'd see lights if you came with us there, but I could almost guarantee it. It's It happens right. frequently enough where uh, it's if somebody, you know, comes to visit and wants to go see something weird, I'll take them to this place. And sure enough, Magnetic Anomaly just blop right on top of that place. And then uh, this Michaud State Forest where we've had a lot, a lot of crazy stuff. There's just a giant magnetic anomaly that reaches down from the center of the state, right down, just follows, uh, Michaud State Forest kind of runs north to south, kind of follows the Appalachian Trail down, or the Appalachian Trail follows it either, either way. But uh, it just, this magnetic anomaly just reaches right down, you know, basically follows the Michaud Forest. It's And I'm, you know, I have to take a step back and go, whoa, like, is there something to this? Or is that, a, you know, I, I don't know how it would matter necessarily, but it's there, you know. That's so weird, man. And I mean, I, I do think that plays a part in this somehow. Um, but then that, that's what that's what Penny Royal. That's what I started out wanting to answer with the question. And, you know, the tagline for the show is the magic and mystery of place, right? Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to understand. You know, is it the people that defines a place, or is it a place that you know redefines the people? And I know it's kind of a chicken or egg situation but i was really interested in exploring that question because i think that's really where folklore emerges but in that sort of relationship you know between people in a place right sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 dollars more you'll reach sweat platinum at Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And you just find that, that certain places are, the people in the place are so entwined with each other. That there is, you know, so much of what we're looking at is non-physical 
right? It's just it just is for some reason. Mm-hmm. It it's not you know concrete reality, but it still exists. But when you talk about physical places having a, an effect, I mean that's that these are con- you know Somerset, you know that it really is this place that has this geophysical anomaly. But it seems to be interacting or having an effect on a psychological or a noumenal or an astral element of everything too. You know, right. I, I don't know. It's just it's weird. It's weird how that how that and it, have you ever heard the stories of um, we brought up the magnetic stuff? Uh, I think it's in the Hudson River Valley. Um, God, what's the writer's name? It's uh, he talks about seeing robed figures all the time. Uh, it's the magnetic east magnet. It's like North Magnetic Road and South Magnetic Road. Okay. And there were these. Um, I think it's Brewster, New York. God, I cannot remember the guy's name. He's a he's a really famous researcher. But in that area of the Hudson River Valley, there's a town that had all these tunnels underneath it, right? Because there were mines underneath the town, and they they were mining this magnetic ore. And there's tons of weird, like, portal activity. And, you know, seeing these robed figures. Then it's like, you know, here too there are these types of anomalies. And people always report robed figures. And, of course, you immediately want to say it's Satanists or even cults or whatever. But right. what, if it, what if it is something else? What if, it, what if this, the people that see the robed figures in cemeteries, you know, there are all those reports and, and the, and it's like they pass in and out of reality in, in that there, that certain places are gateways. And, and you just wonder if, if we've got it all wrong, you know, that there are robed figures, but they're not terrestrial, you know, mm-hmm. or they're not even extraterrestrial, but they're just not, you know, they're not human intelligences. You know, I don't know, but yeah, I, I think I think things like that. Those are weird connections where it's like that doesn't fit in any of the other boxes, which to me means it's more significant and more connected mm-hmm. than the things that we're seeing all the time. So we have gotten a number of um, a number of hooded figure stories as well. Like just people just seeing weird hooded figures and stuff, and yeah, I don't know if it's the whole. See the, and I wonder this too with with the witnesses you've talked to. There was a definite power in the satanic panic, you know, oh, and, for sure. Man. And, yeah. and did that in the way that, in the same way we're talking about these other things, sort of influencing people. Did that influence those people? You know, to whatever happened, like you said, I think I think something happened to that woman that you interviewed you know i don't i don't it's not that i doubt her stories but man if people are just sacrificing kids left and right i mean that's you know you you'd think somebody somewhere would have some information on that that was my question you know i was like you know they you know as many kids as we're talking about they're killing you know sacrificing and you know and she talked about chopping up body parts and dumping them into the mine you know and and all this stuff it's like you should be able to go there and find those body parts, you know? Right. And, and if it was that many kids and all these things, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I mean, definitely in the show, we talk about the finders and that really, that's a real thing that I'd never heard of until the remote viewer that we were interviewing brought it up and about, you know, that whole case where, um, you know, those guys, well, I think that's in like the, 
the fifth episode. You've probably not listened to that part yet, but it, it's it's like you know these these people had some kids in Florida, and these two guys, and when the cops arrested them, they found out it was a cult called the Finders, and it looked like they were involved in child trafficking and all this like super strange stuff. They had computers and fax machines. There's all these FBI reports. Peter Lavenda was one of the first people people to write about it in um, his Sinister Forces, the first book, right? And then they, everybody was like, y'all, you're crazy, because he said they're tied to the CIA. It's a front for the CIA. Well, they released the documents. I, again, didn't know this until the remote viewer we were interviewing told us in the, in the interview. They're like, look it up. It's on FBI's website. There's like 400 pages. They just declassified it three months ago. And right then, everybody in the room that's that's part of the interview, they all hop on their phones, and I look over my shoulder you know, at the, the mixing board, and they're all looking at me like, oh, my God, dude. And there they were, there it was. And the CIA came in and stopped the FBI from investigating this cult because they said it was an internal intelligence affair. Wow. <laughs> right? So then it's – and they were stopping – when you read the documents – they were stopping in Berea, fifteen minutes from Somerset, hmm. right on their way. So they came from like Chicago to Berea, and they stopped in Kentucky. There's a lot of stuff about Kentucky, and then went to Florida, and then said they were taking the kids to a, a school for the gifted in Mexico. But they were released. The CIA forced the FBI to release them, and then they they, they vanished. Hmm. It's but that kind of stuff too. It's like what in the what is that? What is going on, man? Yeah. You know, like that's a that's a, a strange thing. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, just the mystery of it all is so weird. Just yeah. all the strands, you know. Not not even the paranormal stuff. That's not even paranormal. Right, right. You know, but but you're right though. Like, did that feed things like that, which are real, and even the Epstein stuff, you know, which we know, like you know, that kind of uh, trafficking and stuff. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff that that even the weird QAnon stuff, right, and and the PizzaGate stuff, which all that stuff, you know, kind of terrifies me too because we do talk about you know child sacrifice in the show and and what appears, you know, and we talk about the finders, you know, and I was very afraid that I didn't want anyone to latch onto the show and think that that's what it was about, right, <laughs> you know? right, and so that was a fear of mine uh, because it was like. I was researching this way before any of that stuff even came to be an issue. And then suddenly it's like, are extremists going to champion this? Because I don't want that situation. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, but I'm saying because all of that's welled up in the, the popular consciousness, is it reverberating backwards retrocausally mm-hmm. to the late eighties, you know? To the early '90s, and like you said, is that you know everybody that, that at that time that were like there are cults everywhere. Right. They're snatching blue-eyed children who were blonde, you know. And right, right. it's like, were they receiving a signal? You know, because this is the thing too. We don't know that when we broadcast radio and TV signals and now digital signals, we think of them as only propagating in space forwards in time, right? But what if they go out in every direction, even? backwards in time right yeah you know and so what if and that's the thing too it's like all these things that were happening in the 70s and that were causing people to come here maybe telling this story 
so many times and broadcasting it out there and talking and having this conversation so many times and it being in people's consciousness is broadcasting it backwards so that people in the 1970s were seeing witch cults and these magicians were drawn here and they didn't know why and it felt really mystical but really they were just picking up on some broadcast from 40 years in the future 50 years in the future wow yeah that's i don't know (laughs) yeah exactly yeah well we can leave it with i don't knows before we we go i have to ask you are you familiar with the belva mine disaster i don't think so so this was uh mine disaster december 20 i'm looking at the date here i can't see it hold on I think it's 28th. I don't think it was Christmas Day. I think it was 28th, 1945. Belva Mine, it was in Pineville, Kentucky. Oh, is this the one where the doorway opens yeah. in the mine? Yeah. Yes. yes. And, and you know how they described the guy that walked through the door? He had a flannel shirt on. Yeah, he was dressed yeah. like a lumberjack. He was dressed like a lumberjack. Yeah. yeah. And, and he was like, don't worry, guys. You're going to be saved. Yeah, yeah. And then he went back through the, the door of light. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. One one of the earliest flannel man accounts that I've collected. I forgot that it was a flannel man. That's uh, uh that's so crazy, dude. I mean, <laughs> think about that too. That's Pineville. That's not that far away from here. You know, it's just east. I should put you to work because uh, Barton not only has it in his book, The Inhumanoids, yes. yeah. and yeah. I can't source the original. I've looked for the original newspaper articles, and I can't because. Uh, the articles appeared in 82, and I, I just can't find them. I can't find the original articles, so I'd, I'd love to find the, get the original uh, articles from whichever paper. It just said issues of the Pineville, Kentucky, and other newspapers, he says. So I'll, I'll, st- I'll do some digging, man. I'll see about because maybe I can make a trip over there and see if I can find some. Where, yeah. where are you located at? Are you, You're in Pennsylvania? Yeah, York County. Right. It's yeah. South Central. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's not easy for you to pop down here. And no. <laughs> no, no. Although well, I, I have to make like I, when COVID's over, I'm doing a paranormal road trip, and I'm going to hit a bunch of places because there's so many places we we want to go, and uh, places we've been invited and stuff, and and we just got to dig in. So, definitely hit Somerset, man. Come I, down here. And... I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to. You can uh, give me a tour. Show me the weird stuff. Oh yeah, I'll take you out to the mine. Uh, it's really great. Can, can I tell you one real quick thing too? Yeah, we, yeah. One of the craziest things, and I've, I've told this a, a couple of times, but one of, the, one of the craziest experiences of the whole thing, and not paranormal, paranormal, but we, uh, when I shot the trailer for the show, I, I hadn't been to the mine. I'd never been out there. I was kind of scared to go to it just because it had become such a like terrifying psychological place in the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But I was like, you know, I can't put this show out without physically going there and saying I, I was there. And and so I really wanted to build a monument that sort of symbolized this, um, this idea of it being that a place that we sort of created, you know, that was just a hole in the ground that nobody, no one cares about any of this stuff until now, right, right now people will care, you know, now people will want to go see the place. But at the time, I was like, you know, I, 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 and I work, you know, with Dan Dutton a lot, the artist, and and I was like, man, we should build this uh, mirror obelisk that, because I'd seen all these f- f- uh, photographers do this thing where they would do like a square of mirrors and like 
drop it in the forest. Oh, yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah, I've seen it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, let's build a six-foot-tall pyramid, you know, like an obelisk of of mirrors, and then let's take it to the mine, and I will take this shortwave broadcaster with a um, solar panel, and I'll make this signal, and we'll take it there, and we'll turn it on. And I was like, that, that'll that be part of the beginning of the show and the end of the show. Because in a way, it was like a metaphor, I felt, and I still feel that way, that it's a metaphor that we were picking up on some signal, mm-hmm. you know, some transmission. And that's what the story was. Uh, and so I, I was like, let's go out there. I, I created this beacon signal. And I said, let's, let's, let's take a group of people. We'll go out there. We'll huff this thing a mile and a half into the woods to the mine. We'll leave it, turn on the signal. That'll be the end of the production. And then I'll shoot this trailer. And I brought these purple robes for everybody. Okay. So we drive out there. It's like 20 miles in the middle of nowhere that you have to drive to this place on this one lane road. And so we get out there. Everybody's in like purple robes because we're going to shoot this trailer because I wanted to have like the, um, you know, the scene of like a cult driving upon a cult, you know, uh, with the audio playing. And so we take this pyramid out there and there were probably like 20 people and we hike into the woods carrying this, (laughs) this pyramid dressed in purple robes. Right. And, and I filmed a lot of it and shot photos and stuff and, and then I recorded the end of the podcast where we, we turned the signal on, the beacon. And then I was going to leave it, and then I got worried about the legal issues of telling everyone that I had put a beacon out there and that they should <laughs> find it. And it's this dangerous mining area. Right. <laughs> I, thought, I was like, someone's going to die. I'm going to get sued. So then I was like, all right, let's take the thing back. We'll put it in Kyle's uh, Paranormal Museum, you know. So then we carry the thing out. So we get up to the top of the hill. All these people are in purple robes. There's a six-foot-tall you know, mirror pyramid, and all of a sudden I see headlights coming. And I'm like, what? What in the world? You know, We're like 20 miles in the middle of nowhere. There's headlights. So this truck drives up, and I'm like, oh, my God. All these people, we look like a cult in the woods. So the guy drives past us, and he turns around, he pulls up, he stops, and he gets out, and he's like, he's like, uh, there, there's a snake nest over there. And what happened to Steven Snyder, we were driving my car to film this, and I had to sit in the back with the camera, and someone else had to drive my vehicle, and he had accidentally driven it over part of a cliff into the woods, and they were trying to get it unstuck between these two trees, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when this guy had driven up. And so he's like telling us where we are, trying to get the the truck and stuck. That there's there's snake nests, and I had a marine with us who's uh, Josh Van Hook, who you, who opens the show. You know, he has the adventure guide company. Okay. And and he's got a he's got weapons on. He's got a pistol. You know, and he and another guy were like, you know, getting all swole up that this guy. <laughs> You know, is 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 over here telling us, you know, about these snakes, and I'm trying to calm them down because they're like, "I'll oh, shoot that man, I'll oh, shoot him, dude," you know. And I'm like, "Chill out." And I'm telling the guy, I'm like, "Because I'm freaking out because everyone standing around on the side of the road are in purple robes, right?" <laughs> and there's this pyramid, and I'm like, "Oh God!" 
and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine. And, and, and so I'm telling the guy, I'm like, Hey man, we're all good. And, and I said, we're going to get a tow truck, whatever. It's cool. We're good. Thanks for checking on us. And he says, uh, he says, uh, ah, I got all kinds of, I got all kinds of snakes. Come, come here, come here. I, 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 I catch snakes for the churches. And he takes me over the back of his truck and he has all these plastic tubs and he opens it up and there's hundreds of snakes in there wow. in the back of his truck. Right. And, and I finally convinced the guy to leave that Dan Dutton, you know, that's, that's in the fourth episode and all the pan stuff is connected to him. He was this famous artist. He, he's like, he's like, Nathan, do you realize that it, it was like we were performing a ritual Everybody's in robes. They carry this pyramid down to the damn mine. They carry the thing out of there, and it's this like ordeal, you know, where everybody's like trying to trying to pass the thing off. It's like carrying a cross, you know, through the woods. And then a snake handler shows up, <laughs> and he was like, "I thought the devil was going to show up after that." I, he was like, "I thought we were summoning the devil," and it was funny because it's like it it was we had become the cult that we were. Right. And I think yeah. Greg even talks about the fact that, you know, when they were doing the Hellier ritual, you know, it was like he was worried about them running into Satanists, you know, in the in the caves. And it's like they were the ones that were actually trying to summon the devil. You know? Right. And, right. And for us, it was the same thing. It was like, here we are looking for this cult at this mine. And then we're the ones that are all dressed up as the cult. And then it's like, is that what some people picked up on? In the early '90s, or you know, back, you know, they have yeah. these memories. Were they actually seeing us? Like, a, like a, another time loop, yeah, yeah. You know, and that was one. That was probably one of the strangest things that happened. Dan thought I should have like really engaged with the snake handler, and invited him over, and like really b- brought him into the story. He was like, "You missed an incredible artistic moment, Nathan. <laughs> Next time it presents itself, you need to embrace it." But I was afraid that they were going to shoot the guy. You know, I, I was like, oh, God, this could go really bad, you know. Right. So I just needed to get him out of there. And uh, luckily we uh, were able to shoot the trailer and everybody got home safely. But uh, wow. it was it, it was definitely a, a crazy ending to the production, you know. It's been a, a, a good, you know, minute since my, my uh, Kenneth Grant years. But there was stuff with, uh, like, there was the Typhonian current. And I forget if it was a separate current or if it was part of that i think it was part of that was like the ophidian stuff the stuff with snakes oh yeah that's right yeah 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 yeah. yeah. So, and that's what the, part of the bait cabal stuff involves uh uh clipothic forces mm-hmm. yeah and uh and i think those are all part of the ophidian current okay, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> extreme so yeah oh that's wild that's really wild well when can we expect season two um i currently my plan is uh, we're we're working on it right now. I mean, it never stopped. You know, this, that's what I told somebody. I was like, even if we didn't put this thing out, this would still continue. You know, right. I'm still yeah. researching. You're this, in you know, it now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but I, I'm hoping that by summer of, of next year that I'll have everything because it is it's weird. You know, it's like I don't. We really finished it up right right down to the line the first season. But it wouldn't have been what it was if it hadn't happened when it did. You know, mm-hmm. my my wife's like, why didn't you have this done like four months before you released it? And it's like, because it's a real story and there were things happening all the way up until the end that were changing the story. You know, right. that were, yeah. were adding to the story. And it's like, you know, I want to have this 
done for next fall. But it's like, and I will. I mean, it'll be next summer, next fall when we release the sec- second season. But it's like, I can't wait to see what happens between now and then, you know, because I know what the second season I have an outline, and we've already started interviewing people and, and and filling in the pieces of that outline. But I know that it's going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. it changed at the last minute on the first season. You know? uh, yeah, no doubt, it's going to change. I mean, it always does. If you're true to it, it's gonna it's gonna change. I mean, look at Hellier. It went from you know hunting, yeah. hunting goblins to you know whatever it became. Yeah, and, and but that's again that's part of the beauty of this, you mm-hmm. know, and. And I think we're lucky to be a – I feel very lucky and blessed and just like the – this is one of those stories that, that if you're a storyteller, if you're someone that collects stories, that you look for your entire life, you know? And it was like we found that story and we've become part of that story. And that's – it's that's you know, whether anything's paranormal or not paranormal or anything weird's happening – it's just an amazing thing to to be a part of that and to get to tell that story. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Where can people find Penny Royal? Um, we're on all the platforms. Um, you know, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Go to the website. I think it looks the most beautiful on Spotify. <laughs> I think they've done a really good job of uh, marrying the colors and the themes. But, uh, um, but yeah, so we're on all the platforms or the website. Um, I do want to say that, you know, it's always been my intention and it, and and we've made it happen but to um provide all of our research for people to interact with you know all the articles we found all the software that we've developed and and put that out there and so we've got a patreon you know, if you look up uh penny royal or the liminal lodge we've got a patreon and this secret facebook group um that attached to it that uh it's growing and it's a really it it was way more successful than I thought it would be because once we started posting the research, everybody just dug into it, and it's uh-huh. like every, every day people are showing me stuff that we would never. And that's the thing; it's like we found so much stuff we can't possibly go through all of it, mm-hmm. and the software helps, but like you need other people, and 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 part of it too is this this experiment of if we add more observers to this. Is that going to change this in a way, this information structure? And so, anyway, if, if anybody's interested in like g- digging into, you know, the the investigation and becoming a part of it, check out the Patreon and uh, and just see what we're doing because it, it's it's become a whole other thing by itself, and and it's a very rich community of people trying to. Um, access this mystery you know this podcast is excellent production quality is fantastic sounds great thanks Thanks, Uh, man um just it's it's really awesome it's a pleasure to listen to and i I feel like a chump for not having started it sooner i'm I'm on board now i'm on board and i i can't wait for the uh to finish up the first season and and get to the second although i might i might slow down so i have it a little bit longer it's going to be a while before the second season so what is uh, what, what's your website and and Patreon? You can go ahead and give them. Uh, Pennyroyalpodcast.com, and then I think it's patreon.com forward slash Pennyroyal. Um, All right. Are, are those. But, yeah, check it out. Um, if anybody has questions, just email me because I'm very, you know, I'm highly responsive to all these stories. I, if you have stories, 
I, I definitely want to hear them. So very cool, Nathan. Thank you so much for coming on Strange Familiars. Dude, thank you so much for having me. Seriously. Allison, mm-hmm. say you had a puppy. Yeah. And your puppy was having problems with mouthing and biting. That seems like like it could definitely happen. Where would you go for help? I would say probably 90 days to the perfect puppy. Absolutely. Now, if your puppy had problems with fear and nervousness or barking, where would you go for help? This seems very likely because it would be my puppy, and he would have already mirrored my tendencies. <laughs> your neuroses. <laughs> my neuroses. But I, there's help for the puppy. At 90 days for the perfect puppy. Now, what if your puppy needed help with hyperactivity issues, leash training, or just about anything else? Where would you go? I would go to Tina at 90 days of the perfect puppy. That would be a correct choice. Because mm-hmm. 90 days of the perfect puppy can help you with their relationship-based approach to training. They help you and your puppy become perfect for each other. Of course, 90 days of the perfect puppy has online sources. They've got video lessons. They've got a secret Facebook group where you can interact with other puppy owners who may be having similar issues to you're having. So you can get help from other puppy owners. And of course, there's one-on-one options with Tina and her staff as well. I've witnessed some of these via uh, video where she's interacting with people who are learning mm-hmm. in person. And she has such a, a, a calm demeanor. And it's just so, like just someone who knows how to do this. She, absolutely. She's 100% a professional. Not like me who would just start screaming, why are you ruining everything? <laughs> <laughs> so no matter what your problems with your puppy, or even if you just want a little help training your puppy. A couple you know, pointers to start off. Go to sithappens.us. Look for the 90 days to the perfect puppy link at the top of the page. 90 days to the perfect puppy can help you and your puppy become perfect for each other. Again, that's sithappens.us. Look for the 90 days to the perfect puppy link at the top of the page. So we already did a photo of the week this week in the previous Nathan episode. For those who didn't see it, go to the show notes under that episode. It's a cool cabinet card of a painting. You can find it in our Etsy shop as well. Shop name Lost Grave, one word, or if you look up Strange Familiars, you can find us. You'll see our stuff when you look up Strange Familiars. As I mentioned last time, I added some new original art this week. Check it out. I don't know at this time what's left because we're recording this. Before the fact. Yeah, yeah, before the fact. But if you go there, you should find some original artwork by me. All of my books, including Where the Footprints End, Volume 2, and including Apparitions, Illustrations of the Other, my art book. But all of my books are on Etsy. Anytime you order any of those from us on Etsy, they do come signed automatically. You don't even have to ask. I sign everything that goes out of here. Sometimes even with your name. (laughs) (laughs) Now people are like, what is he he saying? (laughs) I always sign with my name. And uh, if you buy our books from Riverbend Comics, they come signed as well because John is local to us and he's nice enough to carry our books. So I make sure to sign every copy I give to John and Sam at Riverbend. You can check out riverbendcomics.com as well. If you're on Etsy, make sure to check out Chad's new shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. He's got all kinds of outdoorsy stuff, Ruck Rabbit t-shirts and patches and knives and woolen clothes and stuff like that. Check it out. Rock Rabbit Outdoors, and then, of course, our friends at Karmic Garden. 
are on Etsy as well with their flannel man and strange familiar scents. They have hand sanitizers and soaps and lotions and you name it. Go ahead and check them out. Karmic Garden, one word, is their shop name on Etsy. Well, that's it for now. We'll be back very soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcast, and more. DarkHollerArts.com. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group. And we're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.